Do you go double kibasi? It's been known to happen. Holy crap! I mean, I can see you taking two kibasis at once in college, but probably not on the sandwich. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Twas the night before penguin season, and all through the town, not a hockey player's bitching like Antonio Brown. The banners are hung from the rafters with care in hopes that another soon would be there. Sidney Crosby was nestled all snug on his mattress while Le'Veon Bell and his agent sat flat on their asses. Steelers players are acting like clowns. Can you even believe that they tied the lowly Browns? And Hornquist in his kerchief and Gino waking from his nap had set their sights on the incoming caps. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, Todd Haley was stumbling around like a drunken Mad Hatter. Away to the window, Rust flew like a flash, tore open the shutters, and threw up the sash. The lights from PPG Paints Arena on the parking lot below gave the luster of a midday glow. When what to Brian's wondering eye should appear, but a team full of depth ready to kick it in the gear. With a little old leader, so cute look at him, you call him Rutherford, I'll call him Jim. More rapid than line changes, his players they came. He whistled and shouted and called them by name. On Crosby and Malkin, Murray and Kessel, on Haglin, on Hornquist, on Sprong and Jake Gensel. To the top of the wall, climbing the board, Sidney Crosby and Malkin have their sights set on awards. Laying a finger on Aston Reese's once-broken nose, Crosby gave a wink, and up the standings they rose. He sprang to the bench, and Sullivan blew his whistle. Haglin took off as fast as a missile. I heard Mike exclaim as Pittsburgh showed their might. Merry Christmas to all. It's Penguins opening night. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, shirtless Tom. We'll get to that. Behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73, at ButtonPusher970. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. I'm sick. Been coughing all day. Weak. Snotty nose. Achy. Typically, I would not be in today. But I'm tough like a hockey player. Sons of bitches. It's game one. The cup champs are in town. How nice is it that there's no drama surrounding this Pittsburgh team? Phil Kessel's my favorite hockey player of all time, probably. And I think he's going to bounce back from what was not a good playoffs. And I'm getting smacked left and right. Phil Kessel's been great. He's been great. Never said he wasn't. Don't think he was good enough in the playoffs. He's a victim of his own success. He needs to be better. And I'm getting smacked left and right. I guess that's the drama. That's all you've got. Phil Kessel and Mike Sullivan didn't get along, so last year Mike Sullivan went out to hang out with Phil. They figured it out. Their relationship deteriorated as the season went on. They've now been apart for a while. They'll come back together and be okay. Maybe it'll deteriorate down the road, but that's it for drama with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Anybody not show up on time? Any passive-aggressive shots on Twitter? Who wants to be traded? Anybody sitting out for the anthem? How about anybody standing at attention for the anthem and then apologizing for it? Does Crosby, the old cowboy, have anything left in the tank anymore? 
Did a Penguins assistant coach get kicked out of Tequila Cowboy or put his hands on a cop? There have been distractions in the Penguins room, bad dudes, etc. over the years, but this team right now has one thing on its mind. Winning. It's refreshing. There have been no nonsense Steelers teams in the past before. There have been distracted Penguins teams in the rearview mirror. But it will be nice, for a little bit anyway, to just be able to focus on the team and the sport and not the tornado of drama that follows it around. Sidney Crosby is the perfect athlete. He's the best I've ever seen. You go back to Lemieux. Yager had his moments. Gretzky, of course. Yes, but he's the best I've ever seen for an extended period of time. I was pretty young when Lemieux was lacing him up. Pretty young when Yager was bumping people off him with his ass. Sidney Crosby's unbelievable. And he works so damn hard. But he's also a tremendous person off the ice. He's not really all that quotable, but that's a good thing. I know that we in the media always say, we want more, we want more, we want more. Well, I've been given more and then some from the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's fun, don't get me wrong. It's days of our lives, week in, week out with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But isn't it nice to just sit back and watch a hockey game and think about hockey? Isn't it nice to sit back and watch a sport and just get to think about the sport, for God's sake? We'll get into the Steelers a bunch today. Jerry Dulac's going to join us in 14 minutes from the Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. Mike Pursuta at 520. We'll talk some Steelers and Penguins with him. But when we talk about the Penguins, it's not going to be the distractions. It's not going to be the -the off-the-ice nonsense. It's going to be about the sport. And we can do that with the Steelers, and we have been doing that with the Steelers. But every time you try to with that football team, with that sports franchise, you've got all kind of nonsense that's eking in from the between the bricks and the mortars. Soup oozing in. Distractions left and right. Bad attitudes left and right. One of their three best players ain't even shown up yet. Sidney Crosby will be there tonight. Evgeny Malkin will be there tonight. Phil Kessel, Derek Broussard, they'll all be there. No one's sitting out. And it's a breath of fresh freaking air. We'll talk to Josh Yoey today at 620 about everything going on with the Pittsburgh Penguins. You see our Capitals Homer Media best friend is at it again. Grant Paulson, the guy who says he did a couple of hot takey radio things. That guy. Remember him? He was on the radio show defending Tom Wilson in the playoffs. He tweeted this out after last night's game because Brad Marchand fought Lars Eller. Quote, Brad Marchand fighting Lars Eller, who doesn't fight and was not trying to fight, is what happens when Tom Wilson is not around. Marchand never would have done that if 43 was in the lineup. And Wilson would never have done that to a guy who does not fight. That's the difference, end quote. First of all, I'm making a new rule. If you play hockey and your name is Lars, you have to fight. Life rule. Secondly, Brad Marchand is scum. But trying to parse hairs about which player is dirtier as a means to defend Tom Wilson is flimsy AF, yo. Capitals fans and media, and they're really the same thing, 
They have to play the look-over-here game when defending Tom Wilson. That guy's worse because if you look at Wilson as a standalone figure, he's indefensible. Four suspensions, 103 games. He's now going to be out for a quarter of the season. He's losing $1.2 million. The Department of Player Safety, which seems loath to do anything meaningful, thought it was necessary to do something meaningful to that guy. Yes, Brad Marchand's a dink. He's licking players, which I kind of actually liked. He instigates and then skates away like a baby back bitch. He will drop the gloves against a player who, yes, is an inferior fighter than he, the five foot nine Brad Marchand. But it does not make him the vile creature that Tom Wilson is. You want to know how I know that? Because the Department of Player Safety never cracked down on Marshan and said, Hey, Mother Trucker, you out for 20 games. Give us a quarter of your salary. It hadn't happened because Brad Marshan ain't the horrific hockey player, the human missile that Tom Wilson is. It's classic radio. It's a good job by Grant. He's almost got 100,000 Twitter followers. He knows what he's doing, right? Our guy's not that bad because their guy's the worst. I hope that all y'all in Pittsburgh are smart enough to realize what's going on. And I hope the Washington Capitals fans that had the cup banner to celebrate last night, I hope they realize that Tom Wilson's scum too. Spoiler alert, they were able to win the Penguin series without Tom Wilson. They would have been able to win the cup without Tom Wilson too. He's a good player, but he's not worth all the headaches that he brings to that organization. An organization that I continue to lose respect for. Devontae Smith-Pelly, fourth liner who had seven goals last year for the Capitals in the playoffs, said that the Tom Watson, pardon me, now I'll name a golfer for the love of God, the Tom Wilson suspension was garbage. That's what he said. And his teammates lamented the fact that he's losing $1.2 million of salary which, again, tells me that the suspension and subsequent loss of money is exactly what the Department of Player Safety needed to do. That kind of money being lost, that is a true punishment, and one that will make him think twice, I'd think, before doing crap like that again. And if he does do it again, whoa buddy! He will be suspended for half a season, maybe. But Wilson's team acting the way it is in his defense, the Capitals' media acting the way that they are, the fan base acting the way that they are in his defense makes me hate them, makes me hate the team more than I've ever hated the Capitals before. I've always disliked the Flyers more than any team in the league. Most Penguins fans would likely agree with that sentiment. The Caps are the Cup champs. That adds juice to the rivalry, unquestionably, to be sure. But I respect them for that. I respect a team that's able to exercise the demons get over the hump against their hated rivals, get over their second biggest rival, the second round, and go on to win the championship. I can respect that. Winning ain't a reason to hate a team. You can hate the New England Patriots for winning. I choose to hate them because, well, Tom Brady's hanging out with a witch doctor and they've been caught cheating two times. Here's why I hate them. Here's a legitimate reason to. Niskanen chopped Crosby in the head. Zach Aston Reese was drinking his food through a straw for a month because of Tom Wilson. Ole Mata got crushed by Brooks Orpik. There was a knee-on-knee hit 
from Tom Wilson in, I think it was the 2015 series. T.J. Oshie, sneaky, dirty player. And the way that they act as if they've done nothing wrong when all that went down makes my skin crawl as a hockey fan who's been watching the game for his entire life, who's played the game at a very low level. It makes my skin crawl. You remember when Barry Trotz told Rob Rossi that the Crosby hit was a hockey play? The Capitals are a great organization. They got great players. They're the cup champs. But they're acting like the Philadelphia Flyers. And the only difference now is that they actually win. Which makes them less likable than Philadelphia. Philly, you hate. And they'll try to bash your skull in. And they'll play hockey like it's the Stone Ages. And then you'll beat them. Usually that's been the way it's been with the Capitals. Now, well, yes, they're skilled, and yes, their power play is dynamic. They will also try to kill you, explain it away, have their media explain it away, and then they got a pretty darn good shot of beating you because they're that damn good. They're like the Flyers on steroids. F them. The Penguins need to set the tone tonight, and we'll get into this more in depth later on in the show, that they're just leasing the Stanley Cup to the Washington Capitals. Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin own that bitch. It's theirs for the taking. The universe is upside down. The Browns won a football game. The Capitals win the Stanley Cup. You gotta find a way to put something back right in this universe. Coming up next, though, we switch to football. Atlanta is going to score 100 times on Sunday. How many points do the Steelers need to score to win? Jerry Dulac from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network joins us next. It's the Crowley Show. Adam Crowley. Uh, I want to talk about what the hell you guys are doing at Cheesy's because I, I really don't want to Google condoms, noses on my uh, work computer. So The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. I've been getting criticized for my Phil Kessel tweets on the Twitter.com. And what happens is you get your column, you get Benzie's column, you get your tweets screenshotted without any broader context. And people look at me like I'm a Phil Kessel hater now. Very literally during the playoffs this year, I was saying, Phil's hurt, don't rip him. Phil's hurt, don't rip him. Phil's hurt, don't rip him. The reason I'm getting smacked in the face right now is because I asked if Phil Kessel is capable of having a bounce-back season, and what I'm referring to is bouncing back from those bad playoffs. And I asked it in the broader context of, does he have a better chance of rebounding than Latang, Murray, or Broussard? And my answer was a resounding yes. Phil Kessel had a great regular season last year. If he's healthy throughout the year, he's great again in the playoffs. So get off my lawn. I'm going to start blocking people. With words, not on Twitter. We flip now to Jerry Dulac. The Steelers should probably do a better job of blocking people on Twitter. Maybe they won't get in as many exchanges. Uh, Jerry, of course, from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network. He's brought to us by the pub at the Tonadale Oakdale. $3 Bud Light, 16-ounce aluminum bottles are given are sold. Given away. Sold during all Steelers games. What's up, Jerry? Mark, uh, yeah, Mark. Adam, I'd say that because I just sound with Mark Madden. Adam, I, I look forward 
to blocking people. It's it's a form of professional uh, assassination. Uh, I think I've blocked over 400 people on Twitter Whoa. for various reasons. For various reasons, most of which are when they start using vulgarity, and then and you know, and the other one. You know, stick to golf. That's one of my favorites. Okay, well, you want me to stick to golf, then you don't care what I say. See you later, pal. So, yeah, I'm up over 400, uh, Adam, of uh, getting rid of them. And I, 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 kind of, uh, I kind of enjoy it. I like that, Jerry. It's a, it's a good stress reducer there. And, I mean, it really does get so awful. All I'm doing is talking about a damn hockey player. Really? you got to start calling right. me names? It's Right, right. And I don't, really I don't argue nice. with them. I don't, call, I don't say anything back to them. I just go, Boop, see you later. <laughs> Jerry Dulac, the blocker from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network with us here uh, on the Crowley Show. Uh, Jerry, Antonio Brown not putting up the numbers he would like to put up, uh, not putting up the numbers I'm sure Ben would like him to put up to get him A, off of Ben's back, and B, to help the team win, maybe reverse A and B. Is the lack of a true deep threat hurting Antonio Brown's production, Jerry? You know, I I don't think so, uh, Adam. I I don't... um, it's hard to quantify or, or, or even, you know, pinpoint one reason what's, what's happening. Obviously, it's not because Ben's ignoring him. Um, you know, and, and it was said to me by one of the team personnel that maybe he needs to force it into him a little bit more. Well, I think he's been doing that to the point where, um, you know, that's where they get picked off. Uh, it's, it's happened twice that uh, already this year. So it, it, it's not that, um, I don't, there's, there's no issue with the relationship in terms of, um, you know, that it's any different than past years. Most of the people tell me the coverages aren't a whole lot different. Mm. It's just not, it, it, where, where the disconnect seems to occur, Adam, is on the deeper balls. But it's not just with Antonio Brown. Ben hasn't been very accurate with the deep throws. We're seeing him high, uh, you know, a lot of times and we're seeing it, we're seeing him wide. And it's just not with Antonio Brown, but it's more with Antonio Brown because he's trying to get the ball to him. So, um, you know, there, it, yeah, the production in terms of yards per catch and yards per game certainly isn't there. Um, it, it's more as though he's playing with Landry Jones right now when his averages suffered. Um, but, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that it's more on one with the other, but whatever it is, that, that, that continuity as, isn't there. The chemistry that we're used to seeing isn't there the way it, we're, we've been accustomed. And uh, do I think that'll continue? No. But so far, that's the way it's been. And, and you know, 9.8 yards per catch or 9.9 or 9.4, whatever it is, is well below his, uh, you know, his career average of 13.7, I think is what it is. So, um, you know, it, that's why it, that's why it's just sticking out so much right now. Jared, do the Steelers not have any faith at all in the running game? What's the deal there? I know they've been behind in some games, but they've pulled those games back to ties by the second half, and we're just not seeing them run the ball very well, and it hasn't really been effective since game one against Cleveland. Yeah, you're, uh, you're right. Uh, and the only other exception was the two runs in the last five minutes in Tampa where uh, James Conner ripped off that 27-yarder and 17-yarder with it when they had to run out the clock. So I'll give them props for that. But otherwise... Uh, beyond those two runs, uh, since the fumble in Cleveland, he's averaging under two, two yards a carry. Um, and so it's just not very good. I don't know if it's him, to be honest. I don't know if it's the offensive line. Whatever the case may be, uh, it, it hasn't been effective. Um, I love when the players or, the, you know, the people talk about players, coaches, 
well, we've been behind and we've had to throw more. Well, what that does is it limits the amount of carries you're going to have because you're not just not going to run, run, run. But by the same token, to your point, they've tied up the game in each and each of those uh, uh, instances where they got behind and still abandoned the run. So now you get it back to zero, zero effectively, and and they still keep passing. And part of that is because the defense isn't stopping them. But but uh, you know, Adam. When, when teams expect you to pass when you get behind, guess what that does? That opens up running lanes, and they're still not able to run the ball. So whatever the case may be, whether it's uh, number 30 or whether it's the offensive line, whatever, it just isn't very effective right now. Jerry, and do I, do think, I do think, Adam, you will see a concentrated effort despite the type of game everybody expects, and I'm not saying it won't become that. I think you will see a concentrated effort to run the ball better against the Falcons. Well, Jerry, is it possible that Atlanta has a worse defense than the Steelers? That it's it, it, as incredible as it seems. You know, Adam, what we've been, uh, what we have seen, uh, the Pittsburgh fans have seen in this first quarter of the season. They've seen the best, some of the best passing uh, quarterbacks, some of the best pass catching receivers, and they've also seen some of the worst defenses in the National Football League. Uh, uh, Atlanta fifth worst, Steelers third worst, Kansas City second worst. Tampa Bay worst, and Cincinnati's fourth worst, and they're next. So we, we're, what we're getting right now is a lot of bad defenses that give up uh, a lots of yards. So if you think the Steelers are bad, there are teams giving up more. But as I said, Kansas City's 31st in the league, and they're 4-0. Jerry, has Bud Dupree been better than T.J. Watt since Cleveland? Since Cleveland, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. Um, you've at least noticed Bud a little bit more. You know, you might be damning him with faint praise, but um, uh, we've seen very little uh, from uh, T.J. Watt. And at least, you know, I thought Bud, I, you know, they, I'm, I, I would imagine the coaches would go back and review this. He was not credited with any pressures the other night, and I, I disagree with that because there were at least two instances where I know he had pressures because I keep those myself. And and um, I, I there are games where where, you know, if he's not maybe getting a sack, you're at least noticing him. I think that was the, uh, I think that was the Kansas City game a- as well. You yeah. saw him a lot in the backfield. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think he has been. Uh, but, unfortunately, that's probably not saying a lot uh, either because the, the big production isn't there with sacks and tackles for loss. But at least you're seeing him, noticing him on the field. And we, we haven't seen a whole lot of T.J. Watt. Really made a nice play for a run loss the other running down the line in uh, in Tampa, but beyond that, it's just it's just been fairly mundane stuff. Jerry, I don't think we've seen good enough from Stefan Tuart or Cam Hayward either, and uh, that is surprising. I really thought Stefan Tuart coming in healthy was going to be great, and look, it still could very well happen. I think he's a tremendous player, but I expect him to be fabulous. And Cam Hayward was their best defensive player last year. Yeah, there's no question, and I'll tell you two things. Uh, we'll just look at the Baltimore game first. Um, you know what the one, uh, one of the things that the Ravens did is they did a lot of max protecting, and in doing that, they um, they double team not only Cam who gets it all the time, but they double team Stephon to it on a number of occasions. And what what happens then is the, basically the Ravens are daring the Steelers to okay beat us with your other guys one on one. Let's see who wins the one on one and the Steelers aren't winning those one-on-one. So it's, it's as though they're taking those two guys out, Cam especially, uh, of the game. 
but I will also point this up to you, Adam. The Steelers have a new defensive line rotation with their new defensive line coach, Carl Dunbar, and you see Cam and Stephon Tuitt coming out of the game in this rotation in the first quarter. Against the Ravens, there were 20 snaps when Cam Hayward did not play. How do you have your all-pro defensive end, who led the team with 12 sacks, not playing 20 snaps in a game in which you are trailing, in a game in which you need to pressure Joe Flacco, who was basically standing back there waiting for an Uber driver. So um, that that rotation that they're committed to using, um, I went back and and, and totaled the number of snaps that Cam hasn't played. That was the most. The other games, it was like 13 snaps, 14 snaps. I think the one game that might have been the Cleveland game was only nine snaps that he didn't play. But they're not used to that. And I, and I talked to Stephon Tewitt the other night during the show, during a break, about it. And, uh, you know, I could tell you he's not happy about that rotation. He's trying to see the good, which is keep the guys fresh for the fourth quarter and long-term as the season goes on, make sure they don't wear down. And so maybe late, you know, in the last quarter of the season, they're still kind of, quote, fresh as you can be uh, for December. But right now, and even Cam acknowledges, he says, that, wow, it doesn't seem like it's working right now. And to me, it isn't. Um, they're looking at the, at the bigger picture here. But I think that's one of the things they need to alter. I don't see what – I can understand if you had, you know, eight defensive linemen and six of them are really good. But aside from Tyson Alu-Alu, there's a pretty big drop after that. So it's not like you've got two or three guys on the bench, young guys you want to get in the game who are pass rushers. That's not the case. So this idea, you know, of just uh, dividing everything up and having a socialist approach – and I don't think I don't think it's a good it's it's not been a good way to go right now. Jerry, do the Steelers got to put up forty to win on Sunday? Well, you would think so. Um, I you know I was surprised, Adam. I heard uh, you probably know I'm not a better, but I heard one of the guys saying today the over under is only fifty seven. I was shocked to hear that. <laughs> I would have thought it would start at sixty seven. To be perfectly honest, I know with the score that I predicted, I have it up at seventy four points. So. You would think, based on how bad Atlanta's defense is and how good their offense is, that if the Steelers are going to win, you have to think um, they're going to have to score 35 points or more. If they score less than that, you have to think they're probably going to lose unless all of a sudden the defense just comes up with a remarkable effort. And we've seen them do things like that where it's shocking, like in Tampa what they did. You know, three turnovers in the first half. Next thing you know, it's 30-10. to 10. In their favor, they're going to need a lot of that against Atlanta because, uh, you know, they, they can run the ball. Devontae Freeman's coming back. He has missed three games with a knee injury, but we all know they can throw the ball with uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley's been a big performer and Austin Hooper and Mohamed Sanu. they got a lot of people to throw the ball to. Jerry, appreciate the time, man. Thanks very much. All right, brother. Good talking with you, Adam. Get blocking, all right? Yes, sir. Don't worry. I do it every night. That's Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network, brought to us by the pub in Tonnendale, Oakdale. $3 Bud Light 16-ounce aluminum bottles are served during all Steelers games. Jerry Dulac getting off with the block, huh? Wow! You know what I do? I find it more satisfying. If you block them, sometimes that gives them a little bit of satisfaction. Anytime I see that I'm blocked by John Steigerwald, it makes me so happy, and I well up, and I warm myself inside. If you mute them, they don't know that you can't see what they're spewing out there, but you never have to deal with their crap.
Yeah, that's a passive-aggressive approach to the whole thing. I kind of like the assassin Jerry going through and just blocking people. Bam! Just, he doesn't care. Bam! Even if it's collateral damage. If it's accidental, if they mention anything about him covering golf, bang, you're gone. Bang, you're gone. His Jerry tw- just knocking people his out. His Twitter fingers, shrapnel just goes all over Twitter. Like, there's people that are in mentions that are, like, agreeing with him, but the guy who started the thread off was disagreeing with him. So everybody in the thread is gone at that point in his mind. They ship him off the face of the earth as far as he's concerned. Yeah, Jerry's the equivalent of, like, an Old West gunslinger, right? And nobody's faster. Like, his finger's going down, and just if you step to him, he's going <laughs> to take you out before you even have a chance. It's ping, ping, gone. Jerry walks slowly into the saloon and pours himself a nice little whiskey when he's done. Jerry referred to socialism in that segment, so I think from this point forward, I'm going to call him the communist blocker. (laughs) The steel curtain, or he's the uh, iron curtain. Iron curtain. (laughs) Yeah, my bad. (laughs) Coming up next, Jerry says the Steelers don't need a legit deep threat, doesn't think that's a problem. I think it's a huge problem. Real quick, let's not forget that Jerry got your name wrong for the second straight week in a row. He did, and this time it was for a name drop. We'll get to that, too. It's Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. I'm with you, and you know what? That'd be an even better point than your cheese teeth today. And that's saying something, because your cheese teeth are unbelievable. Thank and you, sir. And they're our favorite thing on Twitter. Adam Crowley. Oh, yeah. Cheese. Yeah. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Mark. Uh, yeah, Mark. Uh, Adam, <laughs> I'd say that because I just done with Mark Madden. You found the Crowley Show, where we take Mark Madden sloppy seconds. That was a name drop. I don't think Jerry forgot who he was on with. I think Jerry just wanted the public to know he was just on with Madden. Oh, you think he was, he was, oh, I see. That's a big time name drop right there. Mark. That's like ninja name dropping. It was. He's next level name drop. Rossi just does it because Rossi's a name dropper. Jerry Dulac drops him. And he makes them count. Yeah, Rossi, Rossi is like the machine gun of name drops, where Jerry is like the ninja assassin of name yes. drops. He is throwing a ninja star through my heart. Yeah, you don't even really know it's dropped until it's been dropped. And you're like, wow. I was on with Mark earlier. Mark. Boom. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. This is one of those shows, I say it all the time, that's going to move a little too fast. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we got to give it to Tom because he's a mama's boy and a little baby Mark. back bitch. Oh, boy. So we will do that. God, uh, if you could only see what happened. I mean, there. it was bad. We didn't agree that that was how you were going to approach the topic. What, that you, you became... Kinda, you kind of framed it. You became in vulnerable. A, in a poor light. You became vulnerable and you spilt your feelings out wait, in the show wait, meeting. Wait, we're, di- we're not wait, doing it wait, now. Tease it. Say we're not doing it, like, it now. Like I know, dump. wait. It was a dump more than a spill. Torrential downpour out like of nowhere. Dumps, I mean, like four o'clock in Florida just came out of nowhere. I mean, so much vulnerability, so many feelings out Rain there in right the now. open. Didn't really know how to handle it. I don't think the Steelers know how to handle the offensive side of the football without a deep threat. Jerry downplayed it in the last segment, but what? I think it's a big problem. I do. Brown threw four weeks in 2018, 272 reception yards on 53 targets. Brown, his average the first four weeks from 2013 to 2017, 400 reception yards 
on 42 targets. So 11 less targets, 128 more yards. Something ain't right. Something's going on. Something must have happened. I'll tell you what happened. James Washington's supposed to be that guy, that deep threat, right? This is one of my big worries going into training camp. I said it right here on these very airwaves. I don't know about this guy. I like his hand strength. I like the way he competes for the football when it's up in the air. His speed, his size, they scare me for somebody who's supposed to be a deep threat in this league. And he hasn't been one. Five catches, 49 yards for James Washington. His longest catch was for 14 yards. He's averaging less than 10 yards a catch. You can say what you want about the weed, but Martavis Bryant was a bona fide game-breaker. He did take the top off the defense. Hey, he still got open against Cleveland last week, but had the most comical drop I think you'll ever see all year. In 2017, Bryant had 51-yard touchdown catch. In 2015, he had an 88-yard touchdown catch. In 2014, he had a 94-yard touchdown catch. Even when he wasn't playing his best ball, they could still send him running fly routes all stinking day long. Sammy Coach, before his finger fell off, was at least good at getting downfield with his size and with his speed. He had 400 yards in four games to start the 2016 season. That helps Antonio Brown tremendously. As much as Brown can hurt you, Martavis could create one-play drives. Coates did before he got hurt. Defenses had to take them into account. Now they don't because Washington hasn't proven to be that guy. And really, you're starting to see it. The Steelers aren't taking many downfield shots to anyone other than Antonio Brown this year. Jerry mentioned it. Ben has not been accurate on the deep ball, and that's true, but we're only really seeing him throw the deep ball to A.B. You could point to one time in the Kansas City game where they took a shot, and it was over the head of James Washington. He was open AF. BT dubs. That's real millennial right there. And he overshot him. But we really haven't seen them take that attempt time and time again. So defenses don't even have to take it into account. Ben missed a wide open Washington in the Kansas City game. He hasn't gotten loose really at any other point than that. And you can, I suppose, occupy safeties with tight ends and slot guys attacking the seam. Maybe we see more of that with the evolution of Vance McDonald, but it still won't be close to what we saw in the past with Bryant. It's not the same thing. And as for Washington, he's got great hands. I think he's going to be a good player. Strong hand. But he's only 5'11", doesn't have great speed. I had worries about him being a big play guy at this level, and he looks like a running back. Like a possession wide receiver. Steelers are in trouble. Hey, B's in trouble. Because the Steelers, they don't have a deep threat. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Atlanta's defense stinks. Like, holy hell, worse than the Steelers' defense stinks. And if you're worse than the Steelers' defense, it's probably moot for me to give you all these statistics because that really tells the entire story. But listen to how bad these are. Steelers are giving up 29 points on the nose. That's bad, right? That is sky is falling bad here in Pittsburgh where I say we invented defense. Steelers did. 1970s. Look it up. Still curtain. Atlanta's giving up 30.5 a game. A point and a half more than the Steelers. Atlanta, 25th against the run. They're also 25th against the pass. Consistency. That's good to see. But they got both their starting safeties out for the season. 
that's going to hurt them in both regards. Can't slide an extra guy up in the box that you're going to feel comfortable with. You're not going to be able to play any ball hawks in the back end that you feel comfortable with. They stink on defense. And that has a big that's a big reason why the injuries, but it's the NFL. I was looking on ESPN.com today for some great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun takes, and the first story that popped up was how each injury, how a injury and injury, I suppose, is going to affect each of the league's 32 teams. That is so NFL. There's a key injury for every team already, and we're going into week five. So it's a problem that you have to deal with. Everyone has to deal with it, and Atlanta has not dealt with it very well, and I think you can make the argument that the Steelers, without... Ryan Chazier dealt with it horribly. The problem here, and it's a big one, is that Atlanta's offense is actually better than the Steelers. How do you predict the game when the teams are so darn similar? This is the NFL in 2018. Both teams can score. Neither can stop anyone. Does home field advantage help? Well, the Steelers have given up at least 24 points in seven straight home games, so no, that's out. Steelers have been down 21, 21, and 14 in their last three home games, so that's out. Well, at least the Steelers could run the ball to keep Atlanta's offense off the field, right? Well, nope, that's out. James Conner since the Cleveland game, 3.03 yards per carry. Atlanta's defense suggests yes. The Steelers' inability to run the ball since Cleveland says no. There is one thing that I think you can do to exploit. exploit. Hmm. The awful Atlanta defense. And that's finding receivers out of the backfield. If James Conner can get out there and catch the football, their linebackers are just eh, okay. It's not really James Conner's strength, though. He's getting good at it, better at it. I wouldn't say it's what he does best. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Devin, hello. How you doing, buddy? Eh, you know, a little sick. Tom's being a baby back bitch. What's up? I don't know. I just wanted to wax poetic a little bit about this defense. Hit it! Number Remember the other day when I said when you hit in the first round, it's a joyous thing? When you hit in the first round, it's like uh, that could change your whole franchise. Like, did you, Have you seen what Khalil Mack has done for oh my God. Chicago's defense? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Like, like that's what that's what a, a first-round hit will do. But, like, I don't want to talk bad about Artie Burns. But, dude, did you know that quarterbacks have a perfect passer rating when throwing? <laughs> yes, but he... Looks very good in his post game press conferences with all his gold jewelry. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm so sad about that because Cincinnati took William Jackson one pick before that just to stick and he's it to him, but he very actually good. turned out to be a stud, and that was a good pick for them, even though they did it just to spite us. Devin, That's all I had to say, buddy. Devin, well, I'll stick around for one more here because TJ Watt. The guy that I thought was going to be really good has done nothing since the Cleveland game. And I'm not saying he's a bust. It's way too early to say something like that. It's but, about pressure. Buddy, he's a first-round pick, hasn't been good enough. Bud Dupree, first-round pick, hasn't been good enough. Sean Davis, second-round pick, hasn't been good uh, enough. The no, last one that terrible. they hit on was Ryan Shazier, and, well, he's not playing. Oh, God. So, uh, oh. I didn't need you to actually add anything except for those noises. So thank you for being our prop. <laughs> Appreciate it, Devin. That was good work by you. I just needed him in the background. Oh, oh, no. You just wanted the reaction. I did. Well done. And you know what? It gets even worse when you consider I should have called him back. You guys could play that role, though. When you consider Stefan Tua a second-round pick and Cam Hayward a first-round pick, I haven't done anything this year either. Oh. 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 All right, oh. when you both do it at the same time, it sounds like. Yeah, that didn't have quite the same effect. It's like Bert and Ernie. Oh. Oh. Easy, Bert. 
Ernie. No, wait, no, wait a second. Don't what? hijack it here. What do you mean what hijack it? What are you talking what? about? Hey. We're adding the sound effects. Uh, yeah, you, add, you made the point. We added sound effects. Coming up next, uh, I'm Elmo. Where's that hand? And Bert is Brian. We'll make fun of Ernie. Also, the penguins need to reset the order of the universe tonight. It's a Crowley show. Ernie, put it in my butt.